Before we start today's episode, here's a podcast for all you tattoo lovers out there. Skin Deep with former professional rugby player and HIV campaigner Gareth Thomas is a new podcast series which uncovers the memories behind tattoos. Gareth invites celebrity friends and extraordinary people to talk about their life in tattoos and explore topics such as mental health, identity, body image and self-expression. If you, like me, are fascinated by tattoos and body art, then I really recommend you check it out. Hi, I'm Clemmie Telford and it's time to get open and get honest. Each week, I interview a guest about a topic that we, as a society, often shy away from. From sex lives to salaries, life and death, religion and real bodies, no subject is off the table. Welcome to Honestly, the podcast. I am thrilled to introduce this week's guest, none other than Holly DeCruz. Holly is a hypnobirthing teacher and author, and I am fortunate enough to call her one of my good friends. We first met when I enrolled on her hypnobirthing course when I was pregnant with my second son, Woody. And that experience and the knowledge she shared with me was nothing short of transformative. So it is my pleasure that I have her here today. Labour isn't something you can plan or control, but it is something that you can purposely prepare for. Getting to talk to Holly for an hour in the name of work was a pleasure for me, and I hope you love it as much as I did. So here's Holly. So as you probably know, if you've listened, we're going to start with a quick fire round. <laughs> this is what I'm most nervous about. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Why? I don't know. It just it just feels like there's pressure. No, I'm actually really interested to know some of your answers to this. So <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, how confident are you? Eight. Why am I saying eight? I have grown confident in myself. I'd, if you'd have asked me that ten years ago, I'd probably said a three. And now it's an eight. Yeah. That's motherhood for you, isn't it? Do you think they make you more confident or they force a journey to making yourself more confident? 100% the journey. I think they force you to look at things you might have avoided, you know, before that. I think that you have no idea that that's coming either. I think, you know, we're obviously going to get into birth in a minute, but I knew a bit about the physical stuff and how it would change my day-to-day life, but I hadn't anticipated the... um, emotional journey that is motherhood yeah and and how ongoing it is as well yeah and like daily isn't it it really is in preparation for this I've been rereading my birth stories I this saw morning that. and bawling my eyes out and it's <laughs> like I know these stories I know these stories it's a big deal on a scale of one to ten how patient are you oh a four that's low isn't it I think once I've decided on something I really want it to happen quickly. So maybe that's why I'm saying a four. But that's interesting, you see. So you're seeing patience in terms of wanting to get stuff. I'm seeing patience in terms of how you deal with others. Okay. And maybe maybe I'll I'll go up a bit for that then. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking life situations. I mean, I feel like I'm patient with my kids. I feel like I'm I'm growing more patient with them. Mm. Um, And they're the hardest people to be patient with, aren't they? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they're ever so tiring. <laughs> Last night, so Greta's newly um, potty trained and she's got one of those seats that goes on the toilet and she is so unbelievably independent, it's in her absolute core and I'm yeah. in awe of it. But she wouldn't let me help her off the toilet 
Wow. And so she then ended up stuck with one cheek on this plasticky thing because she obviously had a naked <laughs> pub. And I was like, I can help you. She's like, no, I'm fine. It's like, wow. Yeah. I I can see it all seeping out of you, but it's quite interesting to watch that and go, yeah. okay, how are you going to navigate this? Because you have to also enable people to help you sometimes. Yeah, but- there's that Montessori kind of saying, isn't there, that it's let me help you do it yourself rather than let me do yeah. it for you. On a scale of one to ten, how funny are you? I think I'm pretty funny. I'm going to go an eight. Yeah, I think you could have even snuck over to a nine. Do you? I didn't want to be yeah. snuck, though. This is my favourite. I mean, as it will become apparent to the listeners, Holly and I are good friends, but we met through me being... Customer doesn't feel the right word. What's <laughs> pregnant, the right word? Pregnant. No, pregnant, yeah, but one of your... On <laughs> your course. But Holly's whole aura is is um, very nurturing and creates these lovely safe spaces. But she's got a really wicked sense of humour. I think that always <laughs> and, surprises people a bit. Yeah. I don't think I come across as funny a lot of the time. I think it's kind of like a, a pleasant, uneasy surprise. Yeah, exactly. And it, like. <laughs> it feels so disconcerting if you don't know, I should imagine, because you'd like safe space, safe space. Wow, she's really gone there with that kind of quite dark humour, which is <laughs> other reasons that I love her. But it's Thanks. you might not know that. Do you think you're funny mainly with people that you know well? Definitely. I think humour is part of intimacy for me. It's mm. like I have to, I don't know, I think there has to be a trust for good humour. Yeah, that's that's quite true. And that means that you're using it in the right way. Okay, what is your favourite colour? My favourite colour is yellow. I like the presence of yellow. Okay, the aura yeah. of it. Like I've got a, quite a lot of yellow plant pots and vases and things. Okay. Like little yellow things. It's an optimistic colour, isn't it? It is. It's grounding yellow. Favourite question. What star sign are you? <laughs> Scorpio. Mm, I know this. <laughs> How does that show up? What is classic Scorpio traits? I think people actually think of Scorpios as being quite difficult and being quite fiery and, I don't know, just quite difficult characters. I think I'm very loyal. I think I am very determined. I think I am strong-willed. But also, do you know what? I can be quite secretive. Scorpios are notoriously secretive. I'm quite protective over things and feelings unless like I have to feel really close to people to have like a deep relationship with them. Mm. So like hard shell but soft inside. Yeah, there are things I like keeping to myself. Really? And there always has been like even as a child I've... I've Do you find power in that? I, uh, more comfort I just I it's like I need something just for myself I am literally unable to keep anything to myself really? unable to yeah you're a Pisces though yeah just put it all out all of it. do you think it is harder to be honest with yourself or with others oh that's a good question mm. with others because I'll tell you why I say that because I don't think people are always ready to hear where you are and I think it's much easier to confront things at your own pace and be honest at your own pace than insist that someone is alongside you in that journey, I guess. That's so interesting. That is such a massive learning. And 2020 probably is a great example of all understanding that on every level. Yeah. It's like our ego tells us that everyone should be where we are, doesn't it? Mm. And actually people are, are just not always ready. We're all working no. at our own pace. Mm. 
The real reason I have you here is to talk to you about birth, which, I mean, it's almost so big that I don't even know where to begin. But to set some context, I asked my audience on Instagram about their experiences of birth. And I asked them, how was your first birth? And was it positive or negative? And half of them had a negative experience. Then I asked them if they felt prepared for their birth and half of them felt underprepared. And finally, I asked them whether they felt that their negative birth have, it had impacted early motherhood and 60% said it had. And this is kind of the crux of it all, isn't it? That labour is one moment of you know, several hours, but actually the ramifications of it are absolutely huge. So for those who don't know, can you explain why you're here, like what your <laughs> what your job is and how you got into it? Yes. So I'm a hypnobirthing teacher and I've written a book called Your Baby, Your Birth. And I got into hypnobirthing in an unexpected way. In 2010, I was unexpectedly pregnant with my first son, Oscar. And I was only 24. I didn't have any friends that had babies. I had no frame of reference for birth whatsoever, other than what I'd seen on TV and in films. And that to me was terror and trauma. And so I kind of took this head in the sands approach to the first at least three months of my pregnancy, where I just thought, you know, the birth's really far away. I just will think about that later. And I think a lot of women do that because it does, when you, when you first find out you're pregnant, meeting your baby feels a long way off very hard to kind of envisage yourself being there and then when I started to show I kind of thought right maybe I should start thinking about this process and I went onto YouTube and typed in horrific birth videos (laughs) or something to that effect and just watched these traumatic births um in I don't know in, in like a worst case scenario kind of approach because I kind of watched these videos thinking, okay, that was horrendous, but, you know, she survived. So that, and that became my goal for birth. My goal for birth was being alive at the end. And my other half at the time kind of was a bit older than me and had friends who had babies. And he said, look, I think you should talk to some of my friends because they've had good births. And, you know, I think they had had quite a positive experience. So I spoke to a couple of friends and they said, one in particular, I said, how was your birth? And she said it was romantic. It was peaceful. It was calm. And I just thought, what is this woman talking about? Like, I just never, ever heard birth described that way. And she said, we did hypnobirthing. Now, this was 10 years ago. Hypnobirthing was not popular. I'd never heard of it, but I heard the word hypno and thought, okay, that definitely isn't for me and just wrote it off completely. And my other half said, I think we should go to a hypnobirthing course. And I said, there's no way I'm going to anything that's called that. And he basically booked us onto this course. And I went along under the kind of agreement if we had to hold hands with anyone else or sing (laughs) or anything remotely like that, I would be leaving. And I went along so cynical I mean I was the person sat in the class with my arms folded and it blew my mind like within an hour everything I thought about birth was was being challenged and undone and that really transformed how I felt during my pregnancy I went from dreading it to looking forward to it and I it just it was transformative it was education which I hadn't had up until that point Um, and so when I had Oscar as soon as I held him, I mean, I had quite a complicated birth with him, but I still found it such a positive experience. And I think that's actually what it was for me, that after I'd had him, the midwife said, you know, 
we can talk about, you know, we can debrief your experience because it was obviously quite traumatic. And I just didn't experience it that way. Mm. And I was like, oh, that, that really worked then. And so I retrained to be a hypnobirthing teacher nine years ago. And that's what I've been doing ever since. So my first piece of advice would be ignore the name. Hypnobirthing is a complete antenatal education program. It teaches you the physiology of birth, how your body works during labor, and will teach you the tools you need to facilitate that and work with it rather than fight against it. So it's a way of working with your body. The tools kind of include breathing techniques and massage technique, guided meditations and visualizations that will help you to remain in a relaxed and comfortable state as opposed to one where you are feeling panicked or fearful in response to your body. So I think really hypnobirthing is about working with your body during labor and birth and gives you the tools to do that. And also to navigate circumstances that are out of your control. Hmm. You know, big part in, I think really what informed me to be a hypnobirthing teacher and what informs my work going forward is that I've had two births that were the opposite of what I've planned them to be. And that has informed my work and approach hugely because it's not about having a perfect birth. Hypnobirthing is about having the tools to create a positive one. My experience is that my first birth with Bertie was a traumatic one. I went very overdue, went into labour, but was booked for induction. So went into in, to the induction bay and kind of got stuck in this no man's land and ended up, yeah, having a birth where I felt utterly out of control mm-hmm. and and really really traumatised. And that experience definitely tainted my first year of motherhood I would I remember definitely sitting there when we got home from hospital and and replaying the birth replaying it over and over it's like post-traumatic stress like replaying it replaying it just not believing that it happened feeling so distant from my body and from Bertie and from everything else that was going on yeah yeah and I, I didn't know at that point the conversations that I were having like oh you know it's just first birth that's what it's like it is a horrendous experience but it wasn't obviously that bad because quite quickly I got pregnant again Bertie was a year when we were pregnant for the second time with Woody and thankfully through a bit of googling found Holly (laughs) and actually we're kind of the mirror of you and that we turned up to that course with Ben being the guy least likely to be into hypnobirthing but I felt really lucky to be going through that experience with the reference point of having already been through birth. So yeah. everything you were teaching us, I understood what it meant. Yeah. And I understood that it could be different. And long story short, I did then go really overdue again and did go back into the panic mode. But actually what did happen is that I had the most positive birth with mm-hmm. Woody had him at home and I think it's really important to point out that hypnobirthing isn't going to make birth easy it's still a huge huge and physical and emotional yeah, and mental. Really hard. it's really hard but it's the perception and for me the the single biggest change between the two was feeling like I had ownership over the experience that yeah. I was in, in control yeah it's being an active participant isn't it yeah and I think, I mean, a lot of the women I teach, a lot of the couples I teach have come to me because they've had a traumatic first experience. And they're, they are my favorite people to teach, really, because they are coming with such an incentive to do the work and make it better and find out what they can change. Because I think first time around, a lot of women are just completely passive because 
we don't know otherwise. I think that also, and I'm not here to slay any kind of system, but we had done NCT before and we'd we'd like heard about birth, but we hadn't understood actually what the process was. You yeah. know, and as soon as you understand what is actually going on in your body. Yeah, the physicality it, of it. The physicality. That was the bit that I hadn't yeah. really expected. I had understood that I would come to you and would work on breathing techniques and would work on positive affirmations, which are absolutely crucial as well. Yeah. But for example, once I learn about transition. Yeah, transition's a really interesting one. It's such a good example of how powerful our bodies and our minds are and how they work together so transition happens when you've kind of finished dilating and you're you're getting ready to meet your baby you're getting ready to give birth and it's basically this kind of adrenaline state where your body releases adrenaline and it's to put you on high alert it's to make you check that you're in a safe place to give birth that your baby's going to be warm enough that there are no predators around it's such a primal response and actually our survival depends on that response and always has but it's normally something that we're taught to fear Mm. that it's that moment when we say I can't do this I need to leave you know when we start becoming a kind of aggressive to our partners but actually it's just (laughs) testing the boundaries it's 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 a mum screaming am I safe is Mm. this safe and all you want to hear in transition is yes you're safe I mean, a lot of women lock themselves in the bathroom or say they're going to call an Uber and leave or, you know, I've heard some really bizarre things happening in transition. And it is that, you know, that fight or flight response. I think once you know about those moments, you just see them differently. So even though my skin was crawling and I wanted to do something, I was able to rationalise myself and go, no, this is game on. Yeah. This, this is this is the good bit. But the same goes for contractions, doesn't it? You know, we're taught that contractions are going to be these awful, painful things. When you actually understand what they're helping your body to do, you can start welcoming them and thinking, actually, yeah. I want these because these are bringing me closer to my baby. And understanding that that is your muscles working. It's not something that you're being subject to. It's your power. And I think so much of hypnobirthing empowers you yeah, because it it enables you to work with your body rather than fight against it. It's understanding how to get back from being scared and that it's okay to be scared, but that you've got a kind of a toolkit to think, okay, and how do I navigate this? You know, fear isn't always bad. Fear is, you know, a sign that you need to look at something and, and maybe change it. As soon as those contractions start, I had to tell myself over and over again, this is exciting. This is not scary. This is exciting. And of course, there is a part of you that is scared because it's your A, you're going to go through something which is physically huge. And for me, the bit that really screws in my head was not knowing where the end is. Yeah, totally. And and what it looks like and what life's going to look like beyond it. There's so many unknowns mm. and we don't live in a time of the unknown. You know, we can find out everything and having this huge life event that we can't predict and that can go so many ways is unnerving. And then there's this whole dialogue of how we're supposed to feel about it. Yeah. And I think it's actually a rule for motherhood. Generally, only you and your body know what was going on in that one moment. And that's okay. Yeah. And everyone experiences it so differently as well. I've had two emergency cesarean births, abdominal births. I mean, that's, to be honest, why I wanted to write my book, because... I think a lot of the press that hypnobirthing gets is that it's about having this drug-free, natural home water birth where you kind of avoid all intervention and it has to be very hands-off. You have to listen to an Enya soundtrack. Nothing against Enya, but 
it's not necessarily what you want to listen to while giving birth but I wanted to write a book that empowered women to realize that the joy of a positive birth was in it being empowering not in it looking a certain way or unfolding Mm. away in a way that you can control every element of because I don't believe that is the reality of birth but one where you felt like an active participant where you knew what your options were where you could communicate confidently with your caregivers you know, about all of these little elements that create what I believe to be a positive birth experience. And that goes way beyond where you had your baby, Mm. what kind of birth you had. It's about how you feel. And, you know, all of I said to you already that a lot of the women I teach have come to me because they've had a traumatic first birth. And one of the first things I always want to understand is where the trauma came from. Mm -hmm. You know, what's the trauma around? And actually, once you start unpicking it, what on the surface can look like, oh, it's because I was induced. And actually, it's not because of the induction. It's because of the communication around the induction or how the communication then unfolded or didn't unfold. Mm -hmm. And so much of it comes down to how the woman felt she was treated or if she felt listened to or respected or valued. And that, I think, is where a lot of birth trauma comes from. That's 100% right. Yeah, I definitely, even though I had a bad induction experience, I wouldn't want anyone else to fear it because if that's yeah. the p- place where you're at and it's the right choice, you yeah. know, yeah. And women can have really positive inductions. Yeah. You know, every birth is completely unique. Every woman is unique. Every baby is unique. And sadly, we don't have a system that's particularly well geared up to celebrate that. Which actually was going to bring me on to my next point. I also feel really fortunate. The area that I live in, in South East London, we are one of the few places which we still have community care. Mm. I had a bunch of the same midwives from the beginning of my care to the end. And yeah. it's the old school way of doing it. That's yeah, what we would have seen. Community of care is the ultimate maternity model in my eyes. Um, oh. I call the midwife, isn't it? Yeah. Like the one birth program I like. Only a few kind of trusts have caseloading midwives or kind of community midwives I really think if women had continuity of care throughout their pregnancy and their postnatal period you would reduce so many costs and pressures on the NHS further down the line for sure and actually again I'm not saying that home births are the answer but home births are a cheap resource really although you have two midwives in the end I didn't take up a hospital bed. We are really lucky to have such brilliant medical resources so readily available. But does that make hospital the best place or the safest place for every woman to give birth? No, I don't think it does. And I think unless you really understand what your choices are, you don't have them necessarily. You know, there's that famous quote, if you don't know your options, you don't have any. And it's, it couldn't mm. be more true. I think the worry for a lot of people is that they've, if they've said they wanted a home birth and they've they've kind of ruled out a hospital birth, and that's not the option at all. And the advice I kind of give to a lot of parents I work with is if it's on your radar at all, if part of you's thinking, maybe a home birth would be quite nice, look into it more, mm. plan for it. And then if you go into labour and you think, you know what, I don't feel safe here, I don't feel comfortable, mm. go to hospital. You know, you, you, you change. But until... I think it's very hard to predict how you're going to feel in labour. And that's why it's about really understanding what your birth options look like and then working together to find the route that feels best for you and your family and being open for that to change. You realise that birth can be a real team effort. 
it's not just you know mum doing this amazing physical and emotional thing whilst your partner watches this is something where you both have a really important role to play Mm. and actually mum needs to go inside and nurture her baby and listen to her body and kind of really go within those emotional depths of herself whereas the partner needs to facilitate that and if mum has to feel like she's constantly answering questions or interacting mm. or behaving on a very conscious level, she can't go where she needs to go. So I think the role of the birth partner is of huge importance. And, you know, that could be anyone. It could be a sister, a mum, a doula. Mm. But having someone that really looks after you and protects you can have a really profound impact on your birth. It's a bit of an aside but there's such a thing once you've given birth when you you it really unlocks this thing where you understand every other mother in the whole world don't you yeah 100 percent. it's just fierce isn't it and you know that doesn't always happen straight away for everyone it's it can be complex it can be complicated and it can bring up a lot of your own parenting you know how Mm. you were parented and those relationships but actually I think at some point that fierce protectiveness and love and I would do anything for this baby kicks in and it's it's you know when you asked me how confident I was that's where it's come from Mm. because I you know it does it just makes you step up my births even the traumatic one that Mm. is part of the journey yeah it is and I've been into meetings when I was still in agencies and people would talk to me in a way that I felt was disrespectful and I would walk out of that room thinking screw you I've got babies out of me yeah I've grown humans I mean it's the most empowering thing and it yeah you suddenly go yeah sorry guys you really have got nothing on us you know you go through life and you're you're caught up in what's relevant for you at the time aren't you and then you have children and I don't know just everything changes everything changes it's absolutely mad I also am interested in something I asked um, Instagram whether they felt we should be more honest with mums about birth and 94% said yes we should yeah and then I've been sitting with that because I have had both experiences and when I had a difficult birth I didn't talk about it that much because I felt ashamed Mm. or I felt that yeah that I'd let myself down and it wasn't how it should be and then funnily other than in this context I don't talk all that much about my brilliant birth yeah that's that's because I don't want to sound smug yeah that's a very British thing though isn't it it's this idea of you know not wanting to appear proud because we're worried that we'll be seen as smug or shame is a very difficult emotion we have real trouble going near difficult emotions or strong feelings and actually we have this habit whereby when someone tells us their experience we immediately compare it to ours and actually it's not about that you know Mm. I can say you know I had a really great birth it doesn't take anything away from your experience but we're so quick to take another person's experience as a reflection or judgment on our own and that comes from our own complexities But until we can really hear each other, just to hear, just to listen, Mm. rather than to react or to respond or defend, that's when things change. And actually, we say we want people to be honest, but we have to be ready to hear the full Mm. scope of that. And that actually, and take responsibility for our part in it. You know, I think there's a big thing of taking responsibility that we often shy away from. You know, I think a big reason why we are very quick to trust 
you know, authority and medical professionals is because then it's not our responsibility if something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Well, they told me to do that. So it's their fault. Like, we have to learn to take responsibility for ourselves and our experiences and our emotions and our relationships. Mm. We have to. If we want to have empowering, meaningful, felt experiences, we have to be in them. Yeah. This is the crux of everything that I try and do. I advocate honest conversations about everything and particularly about the difficult things. But there is definitely a thing with with birth in that pre having your first child it's really hard to hear it yeah and it's not because I I remember thinking oh why did nobody tell me I remember being on yeah. that post labor ward going why did no one warn me yeah but maybe you wouldn't have been in a place to hear it no I, I heard what I wanted so to I hear think when we ask do you wish people would be more honest we have to ask ourselves am I ready to listen exactly and I am I ready to to play my part it really is I actually asked Instagram what they wish they'd known these were kind of some common ones to trust my instincts and my body which is I mean that is the The huge that is the ultimate but it's hard we're not taught how to do it we're taught the opposite from a young age we are not taught to trust our instincts to listen to our bodies and especially in women's health I mean look at you know period health we are sold products that make our periods less painful or that stop our periods altogether or that you know whatever it is when actually a period is a really valuable part of our monthly behavior and emotions Mm. and feelings and it is a time where we should be going slower and retreating and relaxing and nurturing and resting but we're not we're told to be essentially more masculine just do Mm. do do be linear we're not linear (laughs) We, and we, we are trying to squeeze ourselves into this box that we don't fit in and then we are the ones left feeling ashamed that we don't fit or we're not getting it right or we're not productive enough we're not energetic enough we're not all of those things and from a young age we've been told this is the case this subconscious learning that we're doing and of course that is going to affect our journey when we become pregnant and when we become mothers You know, the amount of times that I've spoken with women, you know, their own children's health and just, you know, like, oh, I had a feeling something was wrong, but I didn't want to be a nuisance. You know, your inside voice is more reliable and strong and worthy than anything. There's two things I'd like to add. One, I think it's probably part of your thing that you talk about people spend more time ordinarily researching a buggy yes or car seats yeah. than they do preparing for labor it's color it's, it isn't it's up there with the biggest events of your life yeah, absolutely you absolutely have to invest time in your birth preparations it's so much more important than anything you will buy your baby doesn't care about any of that stuff but your baby will respond to the kind of birth they have and you know i think investing in that is the most valuable decision you can make. I think it's important to add that those tools are life tools. Absolutely. And motherhood tools. I mean, yeah. Oh, the amount of hypnobirthing tools I bring into my parental journey. Yeah. From everything from you know, just decision making to discipline to hearing emotions like everything to just really being an active participant in motherhood because actually it's very easy to just do what our parents did and not really think not consciously parent and I think conscious parenting 
is really important if we want to raise children that find it easier to be active participants than we are. It's the first time I think doing your course where I've begun to understand my body. Yeah, and your power. Yeah, like you, you know, if pregnancy and birth and motherhood is there to do anything, it is to welcome you into your power. You are a transformative human being. Women are transformative human beings. We're constantly evolving. We're constantly growing. And that is magic. And it's, it's it is. there to be grabbed and stepped into, not shied away from. But, but we come from a long history of being forced to shy away from it. We live in a culture where our bodies are meant to be aesthetically pleasing. Our emotions are meant to be aesthetically pleasing. Our jobs are meant, you know, every part of our life is meant to please people. Mm. And it's bullshit. But that, yeah, again, centers back to birth because it is the only time when the only person who can do it for you is you. Yeah. And there is no other point in my life when the whole of the rest of the world is irrelevant. You know, literally, you're not thinking about your phone. Yeah. Birth is the ultimate invite to step into your power. Yeah. You know, it's like, come it's mad, on in, isn't it? come on in. <laughs> and it's, you know, you can decide whether you're going to go or not. It's, it's mega. And I wish, it is mega. I wish all women felt like that and had that experience. I'm very aware that they don't. No. In fact, there's an important thing that we, it would be, I'd feel awful if we didn't cover, but the, the embrace report that shows that black women are five times more likely to die yeah. in childbirth. In the UK, I might add. Yeah. It's, we, it's three we, times in the States, isn't it? It's hard to sit with that. Yeah, and it's incredibly hard and it's incredibly important to sit with it and not just sit with it, but to run with it and move forward with it. Mm. I think one of the most insightful things I've read recently is about the term weathering, mm. which a wonderful doula called Techie wrote about for my Instagram, on my Instagram page. And it really forces you to look at the much wider problem of unconscious bias, microaggressions, of the underlying structural and institutional racism of the systems we live in and the devastating effects that they have. Yeah. Because there are motherless children that shouldn't be motherless. And these aren't statistics. These are women that are dying. It's... And it's so emotional because on the one hand I can sit here and say that obviously not had perfect births but they have been positive transformative experiences and for some other women because of the color of their skin but the problem extends beyond that you know if if white women were as likely to die as that something would drastically change this isn't a new thing no this has been happening for a long time and it wouldn't still be happening if it was white women this is obviously coming off the back of the huge unlearning and education that we've all as white people got to do for ourselves now has it made you think differently about the work that you do yes hugely I need to really look at my course at how I teach about what my course includes about who it takes into consideration and certainly making advocacy and consent a much bigger topic in it it's absolutely made me think about that Mm. and there's a lot of work that I need to do to pull right back to the name of of the show which is honestly and something that I'm really passionate about is is trying to teach people to have honest conversations because my inkling is it's something that we've 
got so far away from we're in a place now where we're unable to hear other people's differing opinions to our yeah. own or the only opinions we hear are the ones that shout loudest yeah. Obama I saw him saying everyone wants to be heard but nobody wants to listen yeah. it's a problem yep on which note if you could have an honest conversation with one person oh. who would it be and what would you say oh probably my grandmother or my grandparents can I have them as a collective I would just like to know more about what they've been through because Mm. you know that generation doesn't talk or go deep on a lot of things and I'm sure it's informed a lot of who I am who my parents are you know generationally it's affected us but so I'd like to sit and have a big unpacking session Mm. family therapy it's a whole different conversation but really beginning to get into the concept of what genetically we've been handed down it's actually in seeing Greta and seeing part of her it's like wow this is coming through so strong in you that I can see the genes the gene pool bubbling up in you and 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 having to acknowledge that yeah you know we know our mums but do we know our grandmothers and do we know our great grandmothers and actually that that history really gives us empathy it gives us compassion it gives us an incentive to learn or do things differently or better or however you want to look at it but that it is a value yeah I know that you and I could talk about birth forever in a day but if anyone's been inspired by hearing you which I'm sure they will have done where can they find you and what is it that you have out in the world that you want to shout about so you can find me on Instagram at the yes mum mum and you can find my hypnobirthing courses over at the yes mum birth project and my book is called your baby your birth hypnobirthing skills for every birth and my next book is out next year and that's motherhood your way so it's trying to take a similar approach to your birth and transferring that over to your parenting journey. I can highly recommend them. As you will have understood from listening to this, doing Holly's course was a transformative moment in my life. I'm glad about that. Go do it, guys. Yeah. Well, on that note, I've been Clemmie Telford and this wonderful friend of mine has been Holly DeCruz and this has been Honestly Podcast. Thank you for listening. Please do rate, review, subscribe and tell your mates all about it. Thank you, Holly. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Honestly. If you enjoyed this episode on birth, which I hope you did, you might also be interested in an episode on postpartum psychosis that I recorded with Laura Dotcom. Early motherhood is an adjustment for everyone, but Laura's story reminds us to be aware of the significant impact it can have on mental health and how to spot the signs that something is more serious than regular baby blues. I really do recommend a listen. I'd love to know your thoughts, so please do give me a rating or review, and even better, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get each week's episode delivered straight to you.